0: You're one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday. Each week, you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, the lines of succession to the British throne. Your teacher is Dr. Cindy McCreary, Senior Lecturer in the Department of History at the University of Sydney. Cindy, good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, Richard.
0: I guess this is the perfect time to look at the history of this, isn't it? Because the the 2022 has been such a momentous year for the royal family.
1: Absolutely. So this year is not only the platinum jubilee marking 70 years of Queen Elizabeth's reign as British monarch, the longest reign of any British monarch. But also just this week, of course, we've seen the memorial for Prince Philip. Um, So another sort of royal passing, it's a time to reflect on the past, but also to plan for the future. And the line of succession is all about a plan for who will inherit the throne uh, and in what order they'll inherit.
0: And, and you've got to this interesting situation where, where countries around the world uh, are considering getting out of it, including Jamaica most recently.
1: Absolutely. And as we know, in November last year, Barbados uh, no longer is a Commonwealth realm, which means it no longer has Queen Elizabeth as the head of state, and they became a republic. And as you say, we've, we've heard that Jamaica is also planning to follow suit. And there are probably other nations as well. Uh, which are planning to become republics.
0: Okay, but um, for the 14 of us, other than the British themselves, but the 14 of us that, that are remaining in the Commonwealth realms, you know, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, PNG, uh, some of the smaller islands in the Caribbean, Jamaica for, for the time being. This is important, isn't it? Because this is what this, these, these quite ancient rules, in, in one case a, a rule going back to 1701, are what determines who becomes our king or queen. That's right, Richard.
1: So really, there are four principles uh, that are applied in determining the heirs to the British throne, and that is descent, so someone's biological relationship to the monarch, uh, their legitimacy, are they um, the child of an official public marriage, their religion, in the case of the British monarchy, they need to be, if not an Anglican, they need to be in communion with the Church of England. Uh, and until recently, gender, although, as we'll see, that's actually something that's been removed. And now younger sons no longer take precedence over elder daughters.
0: OK, no, no longer. But uh, of course, Queen Victoria's eldest child was a daughter, but she didn't get to, to take over, did she?
1: That's right. It was her brother uh, who becomes Edward Seventh, And Vicky, Victoria's daughter, actually has to settle for becoming crown princess and then very briefly empress. Uh, of Prussia and of Germany.
0: Mm-hmm. But, but these things can change. They can all change. It hasn't changed much since 1701, but the gender thing is one of the things that has changed.
1: That's right. So in 2011, there was something called the Perth Agreement, where um, members of the Commonwealth realms ca- and Britain came together and agreed on some important changes. And one of those important changes, as you say, Richard, is that now no longer will girls take second place to younger brothers so that um, or to, um, and that girls will inherit the throne in their own right. And the other thing that changes is that you're no longer disqualified from becoming British monarch if you happen to marry a Roman Catholic. You as monarch still need to be in communion with the Church of England, but it's no longer a problem if your spouse
0: is a Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. But apart from re- relatively minor changes like that, uh, the basic system goes back, way back to 1701. Tell us about both the Act of Settlement of, of 1701, where most of the rules are formed, and the tumultuous decades that preceded it.
1: That's right. So we have to remember, Richard, that the 17th century, Britain saw civil war regicide. You have a king, Charles I, whose head is chopped off. You have Britain, beca- England becoming a republic. It's an incredibly tumultuous time in terms of politics and religion. And it really sets uh, many people in Britain um, against the Roman Catholic Church and against monarchs who are Catholic. In 1689, you have a monarch, James II, who is himself Catholic, uh, and he's deeply unpopular and hated. In a series of events, he leaves the throne, he flees to France to get allies, and the Parliament invites a new monarch, William of Orange, uh, and his wife Mary, who's actually a Protestant daughter of James II, to take the British throne. And in 1689, the Parliament passes the Bill of Rights, a very famous document, um, which says, among other things, that the monarch has to rule in accordance with the will of Parliament, and that with the doc the Bill of Rights of 1689, and then the Act of Settlement in 1701, it's the Parliament of Britain that will decide the order of the monarchy. And in particular, the main rule that they're concerned about is that the monarch will be a Protestant and in communion with the
0: Church of England. The other crucial date, I suppose, when you're thinking about our Queen right now, is 1714. This is where the British throne mm. passes from a Queen Anne to the German Hanoverian dynasty. George the becomes king, and and all the all the, the all the kings and queens since have been descendants of George the right?
1: That's right. So the name of the dynasty changed. We no longer think of the Hanoverians on the throne. In Queen Victoria's time, it was called the House of saxe Gotha because that was the part of Germany that both Victoria and Albert, her husband, who was also a cousin, were from. And then in World War I, George V, who's king during the war, changes the name of the dynasty to Windsor after the place where Windsor Castle is because of anti-German sentiment in Britain during the war with Germany. But it's the same family. Uh, as you say, Richard, still descendants of George I on the throne today.
0: Okay, and and in each generation, uh, we go to the, well, now it used to be the eldest son, but now the eldest child, and that means Mm. that the order changes all the time, doesn't it? There's, I think, on on the the royal website, there's a list of the next 24 heirs to the throne, but that's not fixed in time. For instance, when when, uh, Prince William's uh, young George finally gets married and has his own child, that child then... Leapfrogs Harry, doesn't he?
1: That's right. So the preference is to stay within one family line, um, descendants from one heir, if you will, rather than, as you say, to go to siblings and their children. Um, so that the order, as you say, is changing all the time as more children are born to the son and in turn grandson or grandchildren of, of the monarch.
0: And people are constantly being shunted backwards in the order, aren't they? It's a funny sort of thing. As soon as your, your brother gives birth or your sister gives birth, your order changes. You, you get further from the conch.
1: That's right. That's right. And of course, in the case of Harry, we see someone who, although he is six in line to the throne, and that technically is still the case, he has indicated very clearly that he does not envisage remaining as a senior working royal. And so in effect, he is, if you like, removing himself from contention as heir to the throne.
0: How free are they to make decisions themselves? For instance, uh, it would uh, the, clearly the Queen could stand down and, and uh, Uh, give over to Charles. But could Charles, I'm not suggesting you would do this, but in theory anyway, could Charles say, no, I I don't want it. I'm too old now. It would be better to go straight to William.
1: Um, So what you're talking about, Richard, is possible and it's known as abdication. But I have to really stress, this is a really much a last resort in the British royal family, because of course, we have to remember for the, the Queen, Elizabeth, it was the trauma in 1936 of seeing her uncle, Edward VIII, abdicate Thereby handing the throne to his brother, Elizabeth's father, who becomes George VI, that really, in, in Elizabeth and many people's eyes, really set the stage for George VI's increasingly ill health. And he dies, as we know, in 1952, uh, a very ill man, really before his time. For this monarch and her family, abdication is really a last resort. So while, yes, it is possible. I think it is highly unlikely.
0: And another sort of hypothetical question, I'm not suggesting any of this would would happen, but in theory anyway, parliaments can change the rules, can't they? For instance, they could say it it should go to to Anne rather than Charles, for instance, uh, just by changing the parliamentary rules as they did with the gender issue.
1: That's right. But you have to remember that the British Parliament no longer re- legislates for Australia or the other Commonwealth realms. So it would have to be the case that the British Parliament, the Australian Parliament, the Canadian Parliament, etc., all came up and, with the same legislation and passed that legislation in their own individual parliaments. What's really important to understand is that in Australia, we cannot have, for example, Harry as our monarch or head of state and say in, in the UK, mm-hmm. them having William. It has to be done together and there has to be agreement uh, for that kind of change to happen.
0: And that's exactly what happened in, in 2011 with the Perth Agreement, the, the gender one. They all, uh, th- that uh, legislation was passed simultaneously by all the parliaments, or not simultaneously, that's, but at, the same, at, at around the same time.
1: That's right. And, but it took four years. It didn't actually come into effect until 2015. And as you say, that reflects the fact that they had to agree on everything together.
0: Mm -hmm. And still, some people say, well, the settlement of 1701, we don't necessarily agree with. For instance, Catholics say, well, why, why can't you have a Catholic monarch? Absolutely. And there are still descendants of the Stuart monarchs, the Catholic Stuart monarchs,
1: um, who would claim that those are the legitimate monarchs of Britain today. Um, we have to remember that the Stuart dynasty, which is displaced in the Glorious Revolution, was long the Scottish um, dynasty of choice. So for Scotland, Scots in particular and Scots Catholics even more, the Stuarts could well be understood as legitimate monarchs of Scotland.
0: Now, don't say that, Cindy. It'll be off with your head, <laughs> off with your head if you start saying things like that. It's so interesting to contemplate how these rules, these all these things from 1701 and 1714 still uh, determine who we get as king or queen of Australia. Thank you so much for the lesson. Thank you, Richard. There you go. Another Self-Improvement Wednesday here on Drive. Our teacher has been Dr Cindy McCreary, who's a senior lecturer at the Department of History at the University of Sydney. You can listen again, of course, to her lesson online, abc.net.au slash Sydney. There you'll also find details of how to subscribe to the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast. Next week, a lesson from Associate Professor Kurt Iverson. He is an urban geographer at Sydney University. His topic, public transport as a public space. That's Self-Improvement Wednesday next week.